Hi, it's Annette Lakovich here. You're listening to Cashflow Candy, episode number 17 with Barbara Turley from Energize Wealth and Virtual Angel Hub. <laughs> Boy, does this interview take some twists and turns. Um, talking from um, investors to VAs. <laughs> but before I go into that, let me share a little bit more about Barbara Turley. Barbara Turley is an investor, entrepreneur, and a wealth strategist for ambitious women who are ready to get their money pumping. Uh, What she also is going to be sharing with you in this interview, though, is the accidental business, the massive pivot that happened in her business life, and she created a thriving money-making business that is helping entrepreneurs out there in the world really be able to help their business scale and really focus on the expertise growth that is available to them. I'm proud to say that Barbara is a very good friend of mine. We have built a beautiful relationship in business over the past two years and um, her expertise is exponential. A fantastic woman and you're going to absolutely love the power that she has into helping you embrace not only your wealth but getting your business totally systemized to give it the maximum potential it truly can have. So please enjoy this amazing and full of variety interview with Barbara Turley. This is Annette Lakovich and you're listening to Cashflow Candy. Join me while I interview successful entrepreneurs, business specialists and share the ultimate information helping you increase your sales doing what you love. So let's start making some candy for your business. Hello, it's Annette Lakovich here and welcome to Cashflow Candy. Have you ever heard about a person creating a business by chance or by mistake or by a situation? Because that is what has happened to Barbara Turley and one of the reasons why I have her on today. And I say one of the reasons because Barbara, how are you, Barbara? Hey, Annette, how are you? So excited to be on your show. Thank you. I'm so excited for you to be here as well. And the reason why I say one of the things, because Barbara uh, is a wealth strategist as well and has a, a absolute gorgeous business called Energize Your Wealth. So it's so great to have you on today, Barbara. And I can't wait for you to share your insights um, and also the pivotal change in your life uh, with your brand new business that's just taken off. <laughs> Yeah, I know. So, but can you just start to share with everyone just your journey? Because I know that you were in the financial market and you're a trader, and it was completely um, a, 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 a different thing for a female to be on the trading floor. So, can you just share with everyone your journey in the financial world, and then we'll go into really about the change of life that's been happening the last um, the last year. Not even that. Yeah. A couple, yeah, a year or two, really. Yeah. So basically, I mean, I started off, as you said, in the financial markets. I, I desperately wanted to be a trader when I was uh, finishing uni. And, you know, back in the 90s, which is a while ago now, um, I can remember being told by a man uh, in, a, in a business I was working in, he said, you're never going to be a trader. Girls don't do that. And that was, of course, like red rag to a bull to me because I just thought, well, I'm going to prove him wrong. So I did. I managed to fight my way sort of into a trading floor role. And honestly, I absolutely loved it. I did it for eight years. It was fast, dynamic, exciting, very masculine. I will say very aggressive and very masculine. And although I loved it, I kind of got to a point where it was sort of changing the woman that I was. And I know a lot of women who work <laughs> in that space will know exactly what I mean, because you start to become 
very aggressive. Um, wow. You don't mean to be, but you tend to become um, more just masculine, energy driven. Just like more of a dominant behavior style? Or? Yes, yeah, more dominant. Um, I guess aggressive is probably not the word. Just, just fast thinking, fast moving, no patience with anybody else, mm-hmm. uh, that sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah. I did, you know, you sort of start to get to, I started to get to the age of 30 and I thought, uh, I'm not sure I see a future for myself here. And it was a real problem because I actually loved trading. Um, but I'd started to dislike the environment that I was in because it just wasn't really uh, serving me, really. And I think a lot of women would feel that, particularly in the corporate world, in very masculine, male-dominated environments. It can be fun but it's quite challenging. So I uh, decided to sort of have a little change of career and I, I decided that I wanted to run my own business. Now, as many people who've made this decision will know. <laughs> Everyone listening. <laughs> yeah, you sort of go, I want to run my own business. I want to work for myself. And, you know, what you're going to do sort of stays in the background. I wasn't really sure about what that was going to look like. <laughs> and business- you probably thought at that stage you'd have more time. <laughs> yeah, time, freedom, work from home, you know, all this sort of stuff. So at the time, I um, convinced my then boyfriend, who's now my husband, um, I convinced him that it was a really good idea for us both to give up our jobs and go traveling for a year to think about what we were going to do and to move back to Europe, where I'm obviously from. I'm Irish and my husband is Hungarian. So we did that. We jacked our jobs in 2007 when everything was, you know, it was like the roaring 20s back then. Everything was great. (laughs) And uh, we went to New Zealand. We did a ski season. We had a great time. We traveled all around Australia. And then the financial crisis hit and everything sort of went down the toilet overnight. If people remember back in 2008, it was literally a meltdown. Mm -hmm. And Europe in particular, Ireland in particular, went from, you know, a roaring tiger to a total basket case. So I was left in this panic position of going, yeah, I was going to start my own business. I don't really know doing what. Uh, And now it just feels like the wrong decision completely. So I said, no, I'm panicking. I'm going to go back to the corporate world. So I went back and I tried to get a job and I could not get a job for love or money. In 2008, I just could not. um, Nobody was hiring in the financial industry. And it was really painful. It was a very painful experience for me because I ended up, in all honesty, I ended up at the end of that kind of, the end of my tether, broken financially and emotionally. You know, it took a whole year of being, I was away for a year and then a year of unemployment. And by the end of that, I was like, wow, how how did this happen? Wow. And what a fall from grace. Yes. Like, goodness me. Like, oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, You know, so really, I, I went through quite a, a journey there and in the end a friend of mine managed to get me um in front of the ceo of deutsche bank and there was a maternity leave contract that came up there and they said look you know the markets are on their knees everyone's running for the hills we'd really like someone who has a bit of experience in the financial markets as in at the coalface who could help our clients who were all financial advisors at the time to understand more what's going on so i took a maternity leave contract um and i started traveling around the country talking to financial advisors and um, it, I did that for a few months and then Deutsche Bank decided that they had to let the whole team go because, again, this thing just kept rumbling on. And I got an opportunity from that. Uh, we, we, we were all let go. And I thought, oh, my God, this is just going from bad to worse. <laughs> but funnily enough, from the depths of that position where I really thought, I just don't know what the hell I'm going to do here. The greatest opportunity that has ever come my way came my way in that moment. And it was a, f- a group of people from Deutsche Bank at the time decided to, to buy that business um, from Deutsche Bank and launch 
our own business. And the CEO asked me, would I like to be involved in that management buyout? Mm. Now, I had no money. <laughs> and I can remember thinking, I'm going to do this. I don't know how. I'm just going to say yes, and I'm going to figure out how. And basically, Was this to be a shareholder? Is this what you mean? Or yes. what do you mean? Yes, I can. Yes. So, uh, you know, there was a, a group of us, probably about six, really. It turned out to be about 12, but sort of six main people that took um, – uh, bought that business and I was one of them and basically I to say I you know beg borrow and steal I literally um I hit my family up I hit my brother up for money um I did work for free for a while I took some in equity rather than salary I did everything possible to get as much as I could a share mm-hmm. of that company and look it's seven years later now and that business is now running four billion of funds under management and it's just going from strength to strength. It's a multi-million dollar business. Um, and it's, I'm still involved. I'm just not there day to day anymore. I'm still a yeah. share. So it was a great journey. And can I, can I actually ask, it's really interesting about, um, you know, jumping on and being a shareholder from the very start. Um, and I've actually done the same thing. <laughs> and we've actually just seen our shares last week and I was yeah. doing big... <laughs> Fist pumps in the, the air thinking, oh, my gosh, it's such a great idea. And the the interesting thing was the reason why I chose to take shares in this company was because I believed the people that were running it, the vision that they had and the business sense. So what was it that you really just went, yeah, I'm doing this and made you big borrow and steal just to get that cash together? It was a couple of things, actually. Um, and I, I, I love that you brought up the people there in the in the business that you've been involved in, because the key in and I, I know we've had this conversation off air, but the key with any of these things is, you know, there's loads of great ideas out there. But if you're ever going to invest in something, you have to believe that the person or the leader of that is going to be the person to pull it off. Mm-hmm. So, number one, the, the, the CEO um, of the company is Ironbark Asset Management is the name of the company. And the CEO was a man I I didn't know for a long time but in the time I had gotten to know him I knew he was the guy that was going to pull this off like he he was he just he yeah. had the right energy the right attitude um the right vision but it's more about the energy and the the attitude to creating something so that was number one number two um was you know the markets were on their knees as in you know there was literally blood on the streets everybody selling you know markets were down 50 60 70 percent as people might remember so a lot of people said to me is it very risky but my 10 years as a trader had taught me that you know the best time to buy is when everyone else is running for the hills so i just knew i thought to myself okay what's the worst thing that can happen here the worst thing that can happen is the markets fall continue to fall and if that happens well, the whole industry's dead. I mean, really, if things got worse from that point, we were in a whole other situation. Mm-hmm. Whereas the upside was, well, okay, things might be bad for a while, but, you know, markets tend to recover from each of the, all of these things. And the, the upside was absolutely exponential for me. So, you know, downside, I might have lost a year's salary and I was going to be in the same position. <laughs> Your nature go on yeah, I was going to say, and you've been there already, so. There's the upside of a couple of million. And I thought, well, gee, I mean, there's, you know, risk reward. Yeah. I'm willing to take that chance. Um, mm. So uh, it, it also wasn't technically a total startup. You know, we there were funds we were buying and there was already income coming through and, you know, the model was good. So the, yeah. the numbers worked. Uh, it was the right time in the market, and I had the right team. Yeah, sounds sounds exactly the same as um, yeah. as how we jumped on. It was already 
um, showing that success. And it's quite interesting with Shark Tank. Um, and I, I wasn't expecting to go this angle of the <laughs> of the interview, but hey, let's um, <laughs> milk, milk that brain because I know your expertise is um, so wide. Um, on Shark Tank, I noticed that the really the businesses they invest in are the ones that actually have runs on the board. So yeah. just can we just diverse slightly? And what if we've got some people on here that are listening and they are wanting to get some investors on board or angel investors? What are some key things that they really need to really get together to you know yeah. put something forward or even to be considered um, to have that type of a meeting? Sure. I mean, look, the number one thing, um, everyone always thinks when they go to investors that the investor is thinking, well, they are thinking, how much money can I make out of this? But often the bigger question on their head is, am I ever going to get my money back? Yeah. You know, so that that's also something that we forget to consider. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But also really what they're looking for, and you, you'll see this on Shark Tank, they're looking for, um, you know, the, the person, like I said, the person who's going to pull it off, they have to believe in that person. And that person has to, you know, almost like the self-belief has to be so strong it's it's magnetic to the investor mm -hmm. but in terms of the more practical stuff um often businesses are very reliant on that person so what they're looking for is a business that is scalable and a scalable business is one that is not reliant on the owner yes. or on the founder it has to run. It's not that the founder has to leave, but it has to kind of run by itself or have the ability to do that. Mm -hmm. And the only way you can ever really get to that level is by having systems and processes and automation and good teams and all of those things working like a well-oiled machine together. Um, and, you know, when you have those things, businesses tend to work nicely. Now, obviously, the big elephant in the room is you need to have um, something that people want. You know, it, the product or the service has to be something that solves a problem. Mm. And when you have that, and if it really is a problem, then it, all of those things together create explosive businesses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, two things you've said there. One is about that scalability. I just um, had a client yesterday and um, she's just been with me for a couple of months and we're just starting to put some new products together. And the new products were all so tailored and individualized. And oh, I just said to her, this just is going to be a nightmare for you as your business starts to grow because you're now just starting to get that growth stage. She actually acquired a business, so she's bringing it back, um, yep. scaling it back down to re-systemize it. But um, they've already got, yeah. you know, great customers. I just said, this this is going to be a nightmare for you in six months' time when your business starts to explode again. Um, yeah. Do you want to have, you know, at the end of the day, we all want that personalised. And a lot of women say this to me. They say, I want a personalised, personable business. And I say, well, you can have that. Of course you can. But you want to have something where the structure and the systems have simplicity at their core. Yeah, definitely. Entire business is a nice, simple, easy to understand, works beautifully. You know, there's no like, oh, well, she needs to know how to do that bit and then that person, you know, all this sort of, mm -hmm. if you have to explain it too much, it's probably not going to work. Yeah. And that's where, um, it's funny that um, the three of us were together, yourself, my, um, me and uh, Heather, Heather was, the three of us girls were together and we're chatting about that and we're talking about, you know, packaging things. And I was saying how tailored my work is for my clients. And then afterwards I thought to myself, what am I talking about? I've got so many models um, that I use that I teach. How do I teach workshops? <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, and that's the difference though. So if there's any coaches there, you want to make sure that your business is um, scalable in the way of 
you know, systemizing a method. And when they want the one-on-one, they obviously will pay more of a, um, you know, you pay more to have that personal service, but to really have that business growth um, coaching-wise as well. Um, well, for example, I mean, I, I started out sort of as a, as a business, you know, I was doing a bit of business coaching, as you know, last year. And what I was finding was I had clients that were, you know, I had a naturopath, I had a yoga teacher, I had a swim school, a tennis center, a lawyer, and a few financial advisors. And the interesting thing was, and this is where, you know, I know we're getting onto this pivot that happened to me, but the interesting thing that I found was that I was doing the same work and having the same conversations with every single one of them. It didn't matter what their product was. Uh-huh. The issue was that they had no systems and processes in their business, and so they couldn't delegate anything effectively. Yeah. And they ended up chasing their tail all the time doing all the work. So let's talk about that. Now, I said to everybody at the start of this interview that you know how you hear about a mistake or a business that just sort of falls on your lap or it's an idea or situation. This is what happened to Barbara. So, Barbara, can you please share with us your story? Absolutely. And I mean, I'll share with you, you know, the sort of, uh, it wasn't quite a disaster, but how, you know, sometimes uh, things can go wrong in your business and you think, oh my God, this is terrible. And actually, again, like from the ashes of disaster can come the most amazing things. And what happened for me was, again, getting to this power of the problem, you know, and understanding the problem of your client. I started Energize Wealth and I have this big, I mean, Energize Wealth is really it's sort of like a media platform. It's becoming that now where it's it's everything to do with ambitious women creating wealth and impact. So I started out with this thing of I want to teach women how to create wealth through either business or investing or both. But what I sort of started to realize from working with some businesses was that, yes, while that's great, it's kind of a, you know, it's sort of far off in the distance a little bit. And some people, they're so stuck in the trenches and business owners will understand exactly what I mean here. You're so stuck in the trenches of your business, just trying to get through the day to day and make a crust that you just can't even think about how you're going to end up being an investor or all of these other flash things that sound great. But right now, you're not in a position to even think about it. Mm -hmm. So I I launched a program last year, which went okay. It was a program called Get Savvy Academy. And it was really to teach businesses how to create uh, scalable, you know, wealth through business and then to invest that money. But from, like I said, working with clients, I realized that the actual problem, the really, you know, core problem that they're having right now is time. Mm-hmm. Where do I find the time to write the ebook, to do the, all the digital stuff everyone's telling me I need to do, to even sit down and have like quarterly strategy days? Are you joking me? I don't even have time to breathe. You know, that's sort of, this is what I was hearing. Yeah. yeah. So I started, I'd had a lot of success myself in my own business in using virtual assistants and building systems and processes so that they could run the back end engine of my business without me having to really have much input. It took a while to get there, but that's kind of what I was doing. So I started doing it for some clients and saying, look, before we can work on strategy, I really need to free up your time and I need to create some systems and processes in your business so that we can delegate it to a virtual assistant and you can be free to do the higher work, the more income generating work. Mm-hmm. And it worked a dream. I, you know, it really was successful with clients. So then I had a couple of clients um, said it to their friends. And of course, their friends called me. Can you get me one? Can you get me one of these VAs? And I, you know, I had this happen quite a lot. And I thought, oh, hold on a second here. There's a business. <laughs> this is, I'm not even marketing this service. <laughs> here I am spending all my energy trying to get people into this program over here. 
Well, actually, what they're asking me for is, can you get me a VA? So I launched a business called Virtual Angel Hub, as you know, Annette. And I had no website. I had no marketing materials. I had, I mean, strategy. I had a little bit of a strategy in that I needed a problem. And I did a webinar and I was, uh, I grew faster than I could cope. That business (laughs) totally took off. And um yeah, it was an accidental pivot that was mm. so fascinating for me. And it's so interesting um, what you're actually saying is that, you know, we've got this online world and um, a lot of the, you know, women are stripping, stepping into entrepreneurship and with that comes brand new work that they need to learn and create and to build their expertise now visually online and, you know, build their funnels and all their opt-in yeah. strategies and there's so much. Um, so let's go into that because I know you know, the majority of women listening are entrepreneurs and they will be suffering from overwhelm. It's all my clients suffer from that as well. And it is that they do try to juggle too much. And because the more their business grows, um, the more they've got to work on their business, not just in their business. So let's start with this. Give me say two or three telltale signs when these people listening need a VA. So what is, what are the like two or three most biggest telltale signs? Okay, the biggest, the biggest, biggest, biggest one, and look, I'm not saying you ever really get away from this, but um, the biggest one is when you're having, you know, the, I actually have a picture that's very effective to show this, but you know, the picture of um, sitting at your desk, head in your hands, mascara running down your face, and total <laughs> meltdown, right? If you're having those days, and I have seen clients go through this, and it's heartbreaking, and any entrepreneur out there knows what I'm talking about, when things, there's so much to do, you just can't cope. And as women, more so than men, I think, we our energy levels dip, go up and down, obviously with our hormones and our monthly cycles. And there are times that you physically cannot cope with the amount of stuff that, to, that needs to be done. And with people who have brick and mortar businesses, it's nearly worse because you have the day-to-day kind of flow of clients and customers and just general stuff. And then you're trying to build, you know, work on the business outside of that. So mm-hmm. if any of you are feeling that way, um, it takes a long time to get away from that, but if you are doing that, then it is time to put, take stop and take a breath and ask yourself what you're doing, um, and potentially you need to take the business to another level, uh, which requires a bit of a team, processes, systems, and um, so that you can be not in that position anymore. Yes. So that's, and you know, what makes a difference for them saying, okay, I want a physical staff member to a virtual staff member? Yes. Okay. So physical and the interesting thing about the internet these days, because just to be clear, all of the virtual assistants that we have are in the Philippines. So we we hire them um, offshore. So I, as I said, I've worked with brick and mortar businesses and online businesses with this and the brick and mortar businesses all thought they needed somebody on the ground and actually they didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, They did really well with... um, Getting even the VAs can answer your phone, to be honest, using Skype and there's, there's technology for everything. But of course, if you have a business that you, you need someone on a front desk walking through the door, you know, obviously you need to hire somebody for that. But there's just ways of it's just a matter of opening your mind to doing things differently and moving more stuff online. Mm, definitely. Yeah. And for myself, I was looking at having a new administration person and um, then you and I had a conversation. I was like, yeah, okay, great. Let's just, let's just get another VA. Yeah. <laughs> and 
everything should be online any, every, anyway. You know, if, yeah. if not, we've got to create files on it so it is, a, you know, as paperless office as possible. So my yeah. belief was that I needed somebody physically there to tidy up stuff and do all that. But, you know, she just runs with the ball. She's incredible, my VA. And if I yeah. can just say um, to the listeners that Barbara mentioned about, you know, all her VAs are in the Philippines. And what you may not know is these um, girls, or it might be guys as well, but the girls that I know that I've um, had from the Philippines, they're highly, highly educated, like gone through university, got degrees, and um, extremely intelligent. And the other thing is that they actually have an American accent. Yeah, they do. So if they're doing phone calls for you, um, they're not going to sound like a call center. Um, and look, this is not to be, you know, judgmental in any way. But th- the sad thing is when we, we have all these call centers, they've got bad lines and they've got a very, very heavy, thick accent. And straight away they get hung up on. Yeah. And if your VA has that, um, it, it sort of just feels like it's not legit. So what I absolutely loved um, is that my VA, I've had two. I've actually now the one that I've got from Barb. <laughs> she's awesome. Um, she's running with the ball. Um, I've had her on calls with one of my clients that it was getting pretty rocky. We we chose a very poor platform for a webinar. It just did not, um, you know, cut the <laughs> cut the mustard, so to speak. And um, we had Jem and myself on the call um, to really take him into a new premium model. And it was just beautiful to have her there with, you know, her intellect her personality and just the accent was very clear and, um, yeah, it was just a great experience. I mean, just on that, though, I want to say as well, and I'd like to say this to the listeners too because, um, you know, I, I, I basically Virtual Angel Hub trains. We, we, we recruit, train and manage VAs for people. And we do because they need training too. They need ongoing training. And, you know, I'm finding more and more that they need a, an awful lot of my time, which is, you know, a challenge we're facing in the business right now. But... The, the, uh, there is also some people think, oh, I'm going to get a VA and just throw all these tasks at her mm-hmm. and my life is going to change. And I want to be very clear that that is actually not how it happens. In the beginning, you know, Annette, you spent a lot of time with Jem and, and actually, you know, showing her your business because there's only so far I can take them. At the end of the day, they're working in your business. And sometimes business owners want to just offload the tasks and not invite that person in as a team member. Mm. Keep them as an actual team member. Yes. You can't just not speak to them for three and a half, four weeks and expect a great result. And that does happen. Some business owners just fire loads of tasks at them and then don't respond to messages, don't have a weekly meeting with them, don't really include them. And that doesn't really work. I have to be honest with you. Yeah, because they're human beings at the end of the day and we all need that um, connection, that feeling of connection and satisfaction and, yeah, definitely. Being valued. valued. Mm. They sort of don't want to know they're doing a good job. And, you know, mistakes happen. Mistakes happen, they do. But um, I always call mistakes gifts. It's the other little tip I want to sort of give you today is that when mistakes happen, I call them, it's so frustrating. I mean, mistakes happen to me as well. But I always say to people, view mistakes as a gift because it's either telling you, could be that your staff member is crap and that maybe you need to revisit that. But usually in my experience, what I'm seeing is that when I see both sides, it's usually a process that is messy. Yes. Messy, inefficient processes that have margin for error 
that's massive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm a systems person. So I always look at it and go, oh, my God, we could make that system so much better and more streamlined and then less mistakes would happen. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, that's just a little mm. So imagine this. We have the lady there. She's uh, hands and her head at a desk, mascara yeah. running down her face. I can just have see that visual. She's yeah. so pushed for time and she's thinking to herself, I don't even have time to train somebody because yeah. to train somebody means that I need to step away from my busy schedule. So let's talk about the changeover because I know yeah. – it's hard. it's hard. I've done it twice. <laughs> it's very hard. And it has to be done. So what can we do to ease that up to make it a lot easier? Okay, there's two things here. And the first thing I'll say is I thank you for bringing this up because uh, I call it the bottleneck. And how I describe it is I say, you know those um, years ago they had those um, little, uh, the boats that sit in the bottle, like a little um, ornament that sits on, you know, older ladies' houses, I guess. And I also think, oh, yes, yeah. yes. Imagine like, you know, in order to get the boat out into the ocean, it has to sort of collapse down and get through the bottleneck. Mm-hmm. Now, you can sort of, if you imagine that being yourself, you can, when you're inside the bottle where most small businesses are, and it's kind of okay, you might be crying at the desk and all that, but it's like, I'm okay, There's, I'm making money, you know, yeah, I'm working all the time, but I can kind of cope with it. And you do know that in order to to go to another level, you have to first clamp down and go through that bottleneck, which is painful. But when you come out the other side, the ocean is there for you. And that's the hardest thing to get your head around. That actually, you know, it it pays you in dividends later to Mm -hmm. stop for a second. And I would literally say, like I'm in a situation right now where I've literally said, there's a couple of projects that are happening and I need to pause them. I've gone on pause with a load of projects because I have a couple of systems that need to be fixed in various areas of the business. It is worth it for me to just say, that's it, go on pause. I might lose a bit of income for a bit, but I need to do it because the bigger picture is a long-term game. And you would not be able to get that extra income if you didn't. Yes. And the income that I'm going to generate by pausing and actually getting this right and working with my team and my VAs um, and asking them, why is this a problem? You know, why are you making mistakes all the time? How could we work together to make this better? And often you get great insights from them mm-hmm. when they tell you what's happening. So, you know, that's number one. Sometimes you have to step back to step forward. And um, number two, and this is something I help with a lot with Virtual Angel Hub. I actually give people, everyone who comes into Virtual Angel Hub, the first thing they get is a, is a training program for me. It's not even that long. There's three videos. They're only about 20 minutes long, but they actually get you set up properly before the VA starts. They help you to get set up so that when your VA starts, you know how to, how to you've got a sort of a system in place that they can just step into. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. You know, and a lot, one woman actually said to me yesterday, she said, even without the VA, she just said to me, I have never run my business in the five years I've been doing it. I've never run my business this way. And even following the videos has been a game changer for me and my business. And that, for me, just lit me up because that's what I want to do. I'm going back to watch those videos now. (laughs) (laughs) I think I need to remake them. I'm like, so much better. (laughs) So, so Bob, do you believe that we need um, VAs for different areas of business, like different qualifications? Like when do you know when to step up to get a second VA um, or extend your VA's time? Because I know a lot of people, they start off with just a small chunk because they think, oh, 
I just want to try it, but then they realize they need them for longer. That so yeah. so when's the yeah, so let's just go into that. When do we know when it's time to get more or to extend the hours? I actually um I've started calling ours project managers because this is how I feel it should work. You need a you need a they're called general VAs is the kind of main term for them. And basically what they all are is they've got general skills. They can kind of like jack of all trades. They can do a lot of stuff. But what I think you need is you need one main one and then you need to be able to tap into specialists. You need mm-hmm. like a web developer, graphic designer, writers, you know, um bookkeepers, all these sort of people that what I'd like to see is you've got business owner doing the high level work, VA keeping the whole systems running, knowing what they're doing and liaising with the experts in the background, the other like more specialist roles on a project basis mm-hmm. to keep it all moving. Yeah, And then them liaising with you on what's happening with all those different projects. Mm-hmm. So I say to people in your business, you have two types of um, tasks. You've got business maintenance tasks and you've got projects people often mix these things up business maintenance are all the things that keep the lights on keep the business moving in the background projects are what drive the business forward so are you going to do a webinar for example there's a project are you going to launch a new product that's a project that might take a while but it wouldn't be an ongoing thing whereas business maintenance is ongoing daily weekly monthly tasks that need to be done all the time and so the virtu- so the the um the VA the permanent VA would manage those tasks or would yes. that still be the the owner of the business? No, no, the owner of the business kind of has to set them up, mm-hmm. and then you know I sort of say to people, create your daily, weekly, monthly task list, and then create process for, processes for each one of them. Terribly painful, I know, but then you can hand that over to someone else to manage it. And you can, this is how people can go on holiday for two weeks and not worry. Yeah. Because all those things just keep going, keep happening. Mm-hmm. And then with the project stuff, a lot of the VAs can actually do a lot of the projects. They can run webinars and stuff like that. But let's say you wanted to like create a whole new website. Then you need to bring in a web developer and probably a graphic designer. But your VA could kind of liaise with them on your behalf and keep the project moving yes. once you've decided what it looks like. And if you think about how many projects that we continually have, and especially with, you know, webinars getting bigger and Facebook marketing and there's all these different tasks that people are continually doing, um, I think it's a great idea to actually have these project managers. Love yeah, it. bringing in, I mean, we're just building it now. That's why I've had to pause for a bit. We're bringing in all these specialists into the hub mm-hmm. so that we can, you know, in, so that you have a space to go to one place and say to your VA, can you just go into the hub and see what they've got for, I need a website built or any you know and we've got people that we're, we're plugging into that process mm. so do you have something that um the listeners can watch or listen or download what, what type of gift can you give them today sure we've got uh, if you go to virtualangelhub.com we have got a three-part video series there which is the three steps to outsourcing success beautiful so it's a three-part <laughs> video is it Yeah, three. Yes. Okay, great. And um, if they want to find out more, Mm -hmm. (laughs) where can they go to find out more? You can go to virtualangelhub.com to find out more about that particular business. Mm -hmm. Or you can simply go to energizewealth.com, which is if you're more interested in more the wealth space and the women creating wealth and impact, that is uh, another website that I run. So you can also connect with me on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Barbara Turley on LinkedIn and um, social media. We've got Energize Wealth on social media across Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the whole lot, Pinterest, yeah. everywhere. <laughs> Look, 
before we finish up, tell me about the the Feminine Wealth TV because you do have a fantastic blog video. Um, can you share everyone a bit about that? Sure. Yeah. So I, um, a bit like your show here, I do a video. Um, filming which actually has its own complexities but we yes do- i used to do that but then <laughs> yes. the, the hair and the makeup and then the broken microphones all the time and yeah so i, have <laughs> I do the podcasting online tv show called feminine wealth tv and on there i interview um female entrepreneurs investors and philanthropists and the whole point of the show really is to showcase women who have done it, but to talk to women who are trying to do it about the steps they actually took to get there. So a bit like what you're doing here. Mm-hmm. And to show them it's never linear. You know, sometimes people look like over, overnight successes, but you don't know, you didn't see the years they spent in their bedroom trying to build, you know, this sort of stuff in the beginning. Yes. And the, the, look, the feedback from the show has been uh, great so far you know one one woman messaged me recently and she said I'm just curling up with a cup of tea and ready to watch feminine wealth tv and I thought <laughs> that's just my job done so yeah. you can find that on youtube and on energize wealth and see wouldn't it be beautiful just to have a tv channel that you could just you know turn on after a hard day and curl up with a cup of tea or a glass of wine or you know yes. and just and just sit there and be able to watch things that are stimulating instead of some of the, the crap that's yes. on tv these days married married at first sight which is the latest one in australia <laughs> you're better off watching listening to cashflow candy and <laughs> tv exactly i'm sure you'd concur here i actually learn a huge amount from the women i have on the show Oh, yes. I, I continually take notes. I've got a page already um, from, from our notes today. <laughs> I'm learning a lot as the host. I always say to people watching, oh, my God, like I learned so much from watching this yeah. show. Yeah, and I play back yeah. my recordings all the time and have a bit of a giggle while I listen. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Barbara, um, to finish up, two pieces of advice. One for the entrepreneur. She's in startup mode. And when I mean startup mode, first six months of a business just dived in and um you know yeah just just starting to get it out there and then the other side is the female entrepreneur she's in business she's got the confidence her business is growing but really needs to take it to the next level yeah so for the first one and i learned this probably the hard way myself you know, and you see, I know you see this in it as well when you deal with startups. Um, we are very obsessed with our logo and what our branding looks like and what our website looks like. And I would say to you, get out and you the first the first thing you got to do, get out and talk to your ideal customer, figure out what their problem is, and then create a solution for it. You won't even need a website. You don't even need a website. (laughs) It's actually, you know what's really funny? Funny Um, Marina, so Marina uh, Pasolaris, she was just on, and she was actually, her interviews just released today. She said that she booked an event, rang the newspapers, said, this is what this business is about. It's running an event this date. She hadn't even created the business. It wasn't even registered. No logo, nothing. And um, she's been in business now for quite a few years and just the last couple of weeks she's organised a business card for the very first time. Yeah, you don't need all that crap. No. I'm from a very corporate background and I would tell you, honestly, I don't even have business cards now. I don't even bother with them because, Mm -hmm. you know, I did, I agonised over the colour of my logo and now I look back and go, oh, my God, now I want to change it. You know, your brand also is going to evolve with you. 
your website is going to change because you're going to evolve as a business owner. And all of a sudden, you're going to look at your website and be mortified that it doesn't suit your brand anymore. Exactly. Because you've changed so quickly. Mm-hmm. It's the 80 20 rule, the Pareto principle. Don't worry about, you know, logos, branding. I know it's important, but actually in the startup phase, it's not. Yeah. It's really not. The problem that you're solving for the client is the most important thing ever mm-hmm. for a startup. When you get to the level where you're making money, you've got a nice business running and you want to take it to the next level, usually the block happens where, again, we women in particular, we try and do everything ourselves and we're, we're you know, the idea of delegating and let's face it, as entrepreneurs, we're all control freaks. I mean, we are all control freaks and that's <laughs> why we're successful because we know how we want it done. But remember that you can, delegating does not mean losing control. It means gaining more control. Because you control the process. Uh, if you create the process and you teach your team and mentor them to do it the way you want to do it, it's explosively good. Mm. Mm. And then it, it frees you up to do the bigger, higher work of growing something that, you know, you need a team. You need team. Yeah. Yeah. Very important. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Um, Barbara, such an amazing journey in business and your story. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, congratulations with Virtual Angel Hub as well. That's just um, such a, a, a service that I use and I obviously always highly recommend um, anything that I'm passionate about. So if any of you business owners do need that help, check it out. Check out the um, three-part training series as well. Um, and if you just want to help, have help with the financial side of it, building your wealth, um, go to uh, Energize. Is it energizewealth.com.au? No, .com. Energizewealth.com. We've actually got that, that site. I think by the time this show goes live, we're actually bringing lots of experts onto that platform. And the idea basically is to take women, meet women wherever they're at in their own wealth journey and take them on the next step for them. So it's not just tips over there. You're actually going to go on a journey for you. And we will be featuring Annette Lakovic on that. Yes. <laughs> You've been trying to get me for about a year now on your um, Feminine Wealth show. Yeah, we're getting you there. We will. But, um, yeah, lots of great programs going to happen this year on that platform for wealth creation and business and lots of different things. So Awesome. Great. Thanks so much, Barbara, for sharing your insights today. Thank you. And um, guys, I hope you enjoyed this segment. And if you absolutely loved it and you know that there is another lady out there that needs to hear this message today, make sure you share the love and share Cashflow Candy with all your friends. Thanks very much, everyone. Bye-bye. You're listening to Cashflow Candy. This is Annette Lakovich. And if you want to join me for more interviews and great sales and business advice, make sure you subscribe to my Cashflow Candy show. That way you get regular updates. Let's keep boosting your sales and building the business of your dreams.